This is FBG Jen and FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margo, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Life is too short to waste time on things that just aren't important. And you weren't put here to worry about your weight or the number on the scale. If you're ready to break free from all that diet culture BS, if you're ready to take your power back, check out fitbottomgirls.com forward slash coaching to learn more about our signature online program, Love Your Body, Love Your Life. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. Yo. And Jen and I were on this interview today. It's with Dr. Stephanie Gray, Your Longevity Blueprint, and she runs the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic in Hiawatha, Iowa. And I dare both of you to try to say that three times fast. It is a mouthful, but (laughs) (laughs) she is a super smart lady. I love this episode. I kept writing this down. It's very sciencey, which Jen, you totally dig. I I did. I kind of geeked out a little bit, <laughs> and then I think I, we went down quite a few rabbit holes from everything from seeing weight to vitamin D to gut health to hormone testing, and I think and it maybe most interesting is the difference of in looking at healthcare. Oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, healthcare is super interesting guys. But really looking at what she does is functional medicine versus kind of the conventional medicine. I think most of us get and the difference of, of what that is and how it kind of looks at the whole body and not just treating the symptoms. And I thought she broke down the difference really, really well and really just provided a lot of just interesting takeaways for a lot of things that women in general, just that we seem to, you know, struggle with, whether it's, you know, getting older and our metabolism slowing down or fatigue or hormones, um, gut health. Like she really just touches on so many of those beating stress. That was, a, a, we talked about stress a lot and she just really goes over all of that. And there's just there's so much good information in this interview. You guys, I think you're going to love her too. She's really down to earth. And I just wanted to ask you guys about going to the doctors. Like, do you like going or does it fill you with dread? I'll tell you for me, because you guys know I had an injury. <laughs> I had the dread yeah, thing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had the dread thing going for a while. Like I always used to show up and they would always praise me for my really low blood pressure. And when I got injured and then I had to go back, you know, for stuff, for stuff, they always said, oh, it's just a little high. You know, are you nervous? And I'm like, yeah, I'm nervous. It's <laughs> I'm, I'm filled with dread. So how do you guys? <laughs> That's you- not funny, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they would look at me like, you always, this is always so low. Why is it so high? I'm like, oh, well, what do you think? So anyway, how do you guys feel about going to the doctors? You know, I have a... <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with going to the doctor. So I really love my family doctor. She's like really caring, really empathetic, isn't rushed. And it's taken me a while to find her, but I, I really am happy that I have because she, she does a really, really great job um, for me. And actually she's like my whole family's doctor too, including my parents at this point. So that's kind of fun. But I will say that through all of my years of fertility treatments mm. and all of those appointments, 
oh, holy not fun, holy dread, holy, like, I had some, this, the last thing that um, helped us get pregnant, that was actually, we actually had a really, really good experience, the best experience I've ever had for any fertility clinic and any fertility situation, like, attempt and had, but before that, I mean, like, like borderline traumatic in yeah. some ways and how things were dealt with because you go in and you're so, I feel like you're so in any sort of health situation, you probably, you know, understand this, both of you. Um, but you feel almost so vulnerable. It's almost like you're waiting for like the other shoe to drop or like bad news or something. Mm-hmm. And when you do get not so great news about your health, it, it always, you know, it's never fun. And then it always felt like, I don't know, there was like a kind of mystery behind everything. And I was like, well, why? And there was like no answers and it's just overall really frustrating. But I'm glad that I have my family doctor that doesn't feel that way now. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But you really do have to be an advocate and like be okay with being like, dude, this is not working for me. You know, I'm leaving and I'm going to go find somewhere else if someone can't give me answers or doesn't give me the care or the place just doesn't feel right to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important. And because my, um, the things that I've had to deal a lot with are not as, um, I get like not as acute or traumatic as what you guys are, are talking about. But for me, it's been, you know, years and years and years of, um, like having TMJ to the point where I've had to, you know, explore a lot of options to try to make my, my jaw work and, you know, going through things for like, you know, my knee is, is bad and, and all of that. And the thing I find most stressful for like any doctor's appointment really, but especially like a new one is the whole trying to remember all of the things that I want to get across and trying to make sure that I'm communicating those in a way that really lets the doctor know, like what my priorities are and what the, what the biggest struggles are without because it's easy to go in and be like, okay, I've got this one thing, boom. But if you've got three other things that you would like to address while you're in there, you want those to have attention, but not at the cost of the main thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. So I like, I literally write out, I, I feel like such an old lady, but I, I write out a little list of, of points that I want to make sure I get across because, you know, they're in there and often it's, it's really fast because they've got, you know, 20 patients waiting in other rooms for them. So I get it. They can't, they can't stay there and talk all day with me, but I also like, I'm only going in occasionally. And like when I go to my, um, you know, for my yearly with my gynecologist, she's actually, she's pretty great. She doesn't make me feel super rushed, but like, I do know that it's, we've only got a finite amount of time. So the whole time she's doing her thing, I'm asking her questions from my list and um, making sure that the nurse is taking notes and um, you know, it, it it works, but I find that part really (laughs) stressful because I'm like, a little distracting, a little distracting, (laughs) just a little, just a little. No, I've learned to do that. I just get my little iPhone out and the little notes app and just write down every possible question I could possibly have. And they appreciate that because it it saves them time too. You just like rattle it out to them, but and when, at, at yeah. a time when you can gather your thoughts, don't do it like on your way there. Like it's better if you right. have like the day before to really think on it. But yeah. Or you can just keep like a running tab in like your Evernotes or whatever. Like, right. okay, these are things that I want to run by my doctor the next time I go in. Because unless I have something come up, I, 
you know, it's maybe once a year. So not my favorite is what I'm what I'm saying, but I I don't think that I generally have the the sense of dread that that you guys might have. Um, so fingers crossed, knock on wood, that not stays yet. The case. <laughs> Just yeah. I get to go to happy baby appointments, and that's okay. Yeah, like OB appointments where they're like, here, they're like, oh, well, you're of advanced reproductive age and you're carrying twins, so you get a sonogram every time you come in. I'm like, excellent. Nice. I want baby pictures. Oh, that's fun. No. Okay, so Kristen, did you want to talk about our stickers? I do, because you guys, if you missed the news, we have stickers that we want to get out to you guys. They're cute. They're Fit Bottom Girls. It just it's our logo. And um I'm I'm particularly excited about this because I have them on um I have them on my water bottles. And I get them like I start such interesting conversations because people notice them and they're always like, oh, that's so cute. Fit Bottom Girls. Ha ha. I get it. And then, you know, we'll start talking. And like, I've met more people at my yoga studio because of my water bottle than because of like just being there. You know, people come up and talk to me who I don't think I would have probably ever met otherwise. So it's kind of neat. And then, you know, I also get to then talk a little bit about our mission and, you know, how you can't hate yourself healthy and that we... Um, you know, we really want everybody to understand that like they're far more than a number on the scale. So that's where we're super psyched to get these out to you guys. All you have to do is drop us an email if you'd like one and just send it at, and that's a podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And we will send one out to you so you can pop it on your laptop, on your water bottle, on your car, you know, on your baby. I don't know. You put it wherever you want. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and if you want to, I mean, it'd be super cool if you took a picture of it too when you got it. And then you could tag us on Instagram at Fit Bottom Girl and share it. And don't forget, there's an ED in bottomed sometimes. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like bottom, but it's bottomed. Yes. <laughs> bottomed girls. That a lot. <laughs> So yeah, please send us an email, podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes and leave a five-star review. We will read it on the air. Thank you so much if you do that. Wherever you get your podcast, be sure to subscribe. That way you'll never miss an episode. And uh, follow us on all the social media channels, Fit Bottomed Girls. And uh, guys, I say we just get into our interview today with Dr. Stephanie Gray. Diets and restrictions don't work. After years of experience in our own lives and with thousands of readers, listeners, and followers, we know that the information and formula in our signature online program, Love Your Body, Love Your Life, does. And by listening to this podcast, you can save 20% when you use the code FBGPODCAST. So sign up and save at fitbottomgirls.com forward slash coaching. Dr. Stephanie Gray is the author of the best-selling book, Your Longevity Blueprint, and the owner of the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic in Hiawatha, Iowa, where she practices. She is arguably one of the Midwest's most credentialed female healthcare providers, combining many certifications and trainings. In her book, Your Longevity Blueprint, Stephanie shares the most progressive functional medicine testing options currently available, as well as Your Longevity Blueprint's nutraceutical products from gut to hormone health optimizing your nutritional status to your genetics and even detoxifying the body stephanie is excited to share her expertise with the world 
So welcome to the show, Dr. Stephanie Gray. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. We're very excited to have you on the show. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. And I'm going to ask the first question. Dr. Gray, let's talk about functional medicine. You practice this along with anti-aging and integrative medicine. So how is this different from conventional medicine? Sure. So in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, I really discussed this a little more in depth, but I'll give you the short version here. <laughs> um, a colleague, Dr. Patrick Flint, created a really nice analogy that I like to use really comparing the fireman versus the carpenter approach. So when we think of conventional medicine, we need conventional medicine, right? If you get hit by a car, we need the emergency services that our country really offers. We need conventional medicine to serve as the fire department to really put out big, bad, ugly fires, right? So their two tools are drugs and surgery. And sometimes we need those tools. But in my practice, most of my patients have already seen the firemen. <laughs> They've already maybe been to the emergency room or tried uh, drugs or had surgery, whatnot, and they still haven't quite gotten to the root cause of their problem. So our approach within functional medicine is more to discover the why, the root cause of the problem, right? So if someone has psoriasis, rather than give them a steroid cream, we want to figure out maybe food sensitivities are what's triggering that inflammatory response. We want to more serve as a carpenter or a contractor to repair and rebuild the body really, again, getting to that root cause of the problem. So we need the firemen, we need conventional medicine, but we also need functional medicine, which is more of that carpenter approach. So take us through like a typical appointment with you. Um, like I think we all have an understanding of what it looks like to you know, go see a conventional doctor, but how is, how is seeing or working with you similar and different? Sure. So I think to start off with, before any patients even are seen in my office, we require that they fill out a pretty lengthy packet. So, you know, if you're going to see your conventional doc, maybe for strep throat, you don't have to fill out any paperwork. You kind of just show up, they assess the situation, and then they treat you accordingly. Um, in my practice, I like to have patients ahead of time, again, kind of give me their history and give me all of their symptoms, which sometimes is 20 symptoms. <laughs> it's a whole, you know, page full of what's going on within their life because I want to try to connect the dots. I want to make sure that, A, I feel like I can help them. So before we even schedule them for an appointment, I want to look over their paperwork and kind of make some of those connections, start creating the picture for the patient that I, as far as getting the game plan going for what I think we need to do with the patient. Um, so we gather much more information. We're kind of like a detective. So we have to go through that discovery process. Um, once the patient has filled out the new patient paperwork, then we get them scheduled and we bring them in. And just like a conventional uh, doctor's appointment, we're going to do a physical exam on the patient. We're then going to go through the paperwork and ask the history questions as far as when did the problem start, you know, what could be some triggers, whatnot. But we really spend more time with patients. You know, the average patient appointment with a conventional doc, I think, is five to seven minutes. And with some of my new patients, I'm spending an hour. <laughs> it takes that long <laughs> to go over and make those connections um, as far as what's all going on with the patient. So there are some similarities, but there are some differences. And the big difference is really the preparation and then the time that we spend with the patient as well. So let's talk about what a longevity blueprint is and how it can improve your health. Can you talk about that a bit? Sure. So my book is titled Your Longevity Blueprint. And maybe I'll share, can I share a little bit of my story, kind of why I wrote the book? <laughs> And then we'll talk about what it is. So I grew up in the Midwest. I was born in what I consider to be a pretty healthy family. I was always exercising. We ate very healthy. I was always going to the chiropractor, taking my vitamins, whatnot. 
So I felt very blessed with how I was raised. Uh, unfortunately, I had a lot of stress in my life. And so um, about the age of 30, sitting at my desk, my heart took off to the races like really fast. So more than just having palpitations or regular heartbeat, my heart was beating very fast. Um, I ended up in the emergency room and I needed to be there, right? We need conventional medicine again. Um, but unfortunately, conventional medicine's um, answer to me, I actually ended up being seen at Mayo Clinic for the heart issues I was having, was to take a medication to control my heart rate. And I knew because I practiced functional medicine that taking the medication simply wasn't going to tell me why this was happening to me. I needed to figure out what was going on so I didn't have to be dependent on medication the rest of my life. And so throughout that time, I, I'm lucky to have my husband as our office manager here at our clinic. He was kind of thinking, man, we need to clarify the process as far as all of what we offer to our patients, because maybe they come to our office for gut health or maybe for hormone balancing, but they may not understand all of what we offer at our practice. And so I really took my personal experience as far as really my ability to empathize with patients because I was desperate and dizzy and exhausted and <laughs> trying to figure out my own health issues and really thought about our patients and what they needed to know about what we offer at our clinic. And so through my struggles, I created this longevity blueprint. And so essentially what it is, is it's a step or it's a process, a plan to help patients rebuild their health. So, and this is what I needed to do for my health to, to regain that back. So who didn't really discuss what the blueprint concept is, what I'm doing throughout the book is I'm comparing your home and how it's built to your body. So we all should know how to maintain our homes, right? We keep hair out of our drains. We hopefully mow the lawn and change our furnace filters. But we don't always know what we need to do for our bodies aside from, you know, exercise, eat healthy and get adequate sleep, kind of the things that I was already doing for myself. So what I'm doing through the book is I'm taking um, each chapter and I'm comparing an organ system in the body to a certain section of the home. Um, so for instance, chapter one, is chapter one for a reason. It's most um, important because I'm talking about gut health. So I'm comparing the gut in the human body to the foundation of a home. Without a strong foundation, that house is going to crumble. And the same is true for our health. We need to be focusing on gut health. And so then essentially I work chapter through chapter through this blueprint concept, um, talking about the electrical work in the home, the framework, uh, the laundry room, even looking at the heating and cooling and the roof and whatnot. And I'm just comparing how we maintain these avenues of our home and what we should do with our health, comparing that to the various organ systems in the body. And we can get more in depth, but I think that's the that's the summary <laughs> that you need to know. So how long ago were your heart palpitations and how long has it taken you? I mean, where are you with all that? You know, thank God I am doing tremendously better. So yeah. I want to say that that was, well, I was probably 29 or 30 and I'm about to be 35. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was four to five years ago. You know, part of my story I weave throughout the book. So for instance, you know, to this day, I will probably never have gluten again because every time I would have cross-contamination, um, any gluten period, my heart would race and maybe only wow. 10, 20 fast beats. But still, you know, you go see the cardiologist and they're not asking what you're eating. <laughs> You know, they're not, they they may ask about your stress, but they're not asking what you're putting into your, your body. And so I did have to undergo that same discovery process that I put my patients through with myself to really get to all of my triggers and all the root causes of the problem. And again, thank God, for the most part, I am, I'm doing tremendously better now. My health is in much better condition. And that was a wake up call for me. I did get my stress under control. So 
I'm thankful to have been through that journey. Now I'm sharing it with others. So you just mentioned, uh, you know, a couple of minutes ago about the gut. You know, that yeah. gut health is a very, very popular topic with our audience. So can you offer your best tips for taking care of your gut? Sure. I, I wish there was a um, short answer to that. <laughs> so you'll have to tell me how much time you want me to kind of spend on the, the question. But like I mentioned, chapter one is so important in the book because you have to establish great gut health to really influence all the other systems in your body. So top tips, I would say, if you follow the Institute for Functional Medicine, they really work um, providers through because they train providers like me. And then also they have uh, this listed for patients, what's called a 5R protocol for gut healing. Are you familiar with that at all? No. Nope. Dive in, please. Okay. Let's so, go. <laughs> and again, this, I heavily discuss this in my book. So really what that involves, uh, which I had to do for myself is five steps. So, and we'll go through these. So remove, replace, reestablish, or re-inoculate, repair, and rebalance. So remove is really important for removing two things, the inflammatory triggers to gut health, which are usually either food sensitivities. Like I mentioned, gluten was a problem for me. I also had fructose intolerance, so needed to be careful with a lot of the natural sugars. But then also patients need to remove bad um, gut infections. So maybe a patient could have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is SIBO, and that's something I had as well. Or maybe they have intestinal parasites or yeast overgrowth. Those are really the main things that need to be removed from, <laughs> from that patient. So the gut infections and the food sensitivities. And maybe the audience is asking, well, how the heck do we know how to do that? <laughs> if you find a functional medicine practitioner, they can help test you for food sensitivities and they can do a stool test on you looking to see if you do have gut infections. So that's step one. And that is just a crucial step to, to healing the gut. Second step is to work on digestion. So the second R is replace. And that stands for replacing things like digestive enzymes literally stomach acid, taking hydrochloric acid, and even bile. Now, when I do a stool test on patients, I'm able to see if they need these things. I can actually check to see if they need hydrochloric acid to break down protein or if they need ox bile to break down fats. This is really common in patients who have had their gallbladders removed. And again, maybe they needed to have that removed at the time, but now, you know, fast forward, they might may not even realize that they're, you know, having looser stools because they are lacking you know, the organ that produces the bile. Now they need to take bile. So we want to improve digestion in that replace phase with enzymes, maybe hydrochloric acid or even bile. And then the next step is to really examine how we can reestablish the microbiome, re-inoculating it with good bacteria. And this is where probiotics come in. A lot of people have read about the benefits of probiotics. So you want to make sure you're taking probiotics, a really diverse product with high potency strains, but also that you work to feed the good bacteria, taking a prebiotic. So this is more fiber, things like inulin, FOS, if you've heard of that, or arabinogalactins. Not every patient tolerates the fiber. They may get more gassy or bloated. Um, but ideally, we would slowly work to introduce some fiber and also the probiotics. So that's step three. And then the, the fourth step is to work to repair leaky gut, if you've heard the term leaky gut before. And that's using amino acids like glutamine. Sometimes I'll use fish oil because fish oil or omega-3s are very anti-inflammatory. We'll use zinc as well with these patients. Sometimes I'll use even herbs like turmeric or Chinese skullcap, 
uh, Boswellia serrata, some of those herbs. So that's part of step four. And then step five is what's most difficult for me, and that's the rebalance phase where we really have to work on addressing lifestyle. So making sure you are getting the sleep, you are exercising, but ultimately reducing stress, taking time for yourself, for meditation, <laughs> deep breathing, those sort of things. So I know that was a lot, <laughs> five major steps, but they're so important. Remove, replace, reestablish or re-inoculate, repair and rebalance. And that in a nutshell is the 5R gut healing protocol. That's awesome. I just totally geeked out. That was really fun. And thanks for making that so really like easy to kind of understand, even though there were lots of big words. So I think it's really fascinating how how much we do know about the body, but how much, how much we do not know about the body. And so as you were talking about that gut protocol, I was really thinking about how, you know, for you, your issues resulted in heart palpitations, but for someone yeah. else that could, that it could be a million different other things. Is that, is that true? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, you're exactly okay. right. Um, one of my best friends who I use as an example and my book had chronic migraines. And, you know, I remember in high school playing soccer, she'd have migraines. And then in college, she lived with me. And there were just times where she couldn't go out to eat with us. We'd want to hang out. And she was in her dark room, right? She she lost a significant amount of her life due to these darn migraines. And again, her neurologist wasn't asking her what she was eating. So eventually, we, I after I'd started my practice, I said, you know, I think we better test you for, for food sensitivities and for celiac disease, which is the full-blown autoimmune disease where you can actually never have gluten again because it's literally destroying your intestinal lining. And sure enough, I mean, she, her her um, blood markers for celiac were the highest of any patient that I've ever tested to this day. And long story short, she's totally migraine-free now. But I think how sad is that that patients could suffer for years to decades? I mean, it had already been several decades by the time I had tested her. <laughs> and her neurologic symptoms had never been attributed to poor gut health. And maybe it's not just headaches for another person. It could be brain fog or fatigue. Like when I have gluten, I feel like I'm intoxicated. I just feel dizzy. I feel off. That's affecting my nervous system. Maybe for another patient, they have skin conditions. I, had, I mentioned psoriasis earlier, eczema, acne, or unexplained rashes. Something's causing that, right? <laughs> and yeah. then with me, it was the palpitations or the fast heart rate. But for another, it could be, uh, if we think of the respiratory system, cough, asthma, chronic nasal congestion. That's highly linked to dairy sensitivity, oftentimes yeast overgrowth. But the ENTs aren't always, you know, putting that together. So having food sensitivities, gut inflammation, poor gut health, whatever, whatever we want to call it, can really affect any organ system in the body. And so I don't, I tell my patients, don't underestimate <laughs> the power of diet changes. It really can impact many of their symptoms and ultimately their risk for chronic disease long-term. So talking about fatigue, I've been hearing a lot lately about hormones and how they play yeah. an important, they play an important role in your overall health and well-being, especially with fatigue. So can you talk a little bit about that too? Sure. So, so many things can cause fatigue. And gosh, that's such a common complaint. I hear all the time <laughs> in my practice. Uh, sometimes, you know, the, again, the foods we're eating could be causing the fatigue. Um, maybe patients do have low hormone levels. And so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, sometimes patients even have nutritional deficiencies, and that's why they're tired. So that's where that discovery process comes into play again, where we have to test the patient to figure out what the heck is causing their symptoms. But in regard to the hormone answer, 
if patients are tired, there are um, probably three different types of hormone testing that I could offer the patient. So I certainly am going to assess how stressful of a life they have. I'm looking into if they have adrenal fatigue or if their adrenals are stressed, if you're familiar with that. So the adrenals sit on top of the kidneys. They help with hormone production. Uh, they're your B team, especially if you've had a hysterectomy or you've gone through menopause. Your ovaries aren't helping or you don't have them anymore. So your adrenals are, are your B team and you want them in good shape. And sometimes if we live a stressful life, the B team isn't always in the right condition to take over <laughs> when that time is needed. So we can do a saliva cortisol test on patients where the patient spit into a tube four times a day. And we can assess the circadian rhythm to kind of see how high or how low the cortisol is um, as a reflection of the adrenal function. Now, the adrenals also help with neurotransmitters. So things that help us feel good, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, serotonin, those things. Um, so we certainly can assess the cortisol hormones through saliva. We also always order a full thyroid panel on patients. A lot of my patients come to me saying, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, but my doctor's tested my thyroid, you know, every year for five years and my levels are normal. Well, with, in functional medicine, I, I, my response is always, well, let me see those levels to see if they were comprehensively tested. And then my, secondly, my interpretation of those levels might be a little different than their primary care provider. So it's really important that the patients have a full thyroid panel run, not just TSH. TSH, I think, stands for too slow to help because by the time TSH is high, <laughs> patients can be losing their hair, gaining weight, having fatigue, constipation, and the list goes on. So we also like to test not only the free T4, but the free T3. You know, many patients and providers don't realize that you only have T3 receptors in your body. So even if your T4 looks amazing on paper, if it's not converting to T3, your body's not experiencing those benefits. So you want to make sure the T3 is not just normal, but at least over the 50th percentile. You know, I, I draw out all my patients' labs on a bell-shaped curve, and I show them, okay, if your free T3 is at the 10th percentile, <laughs> is that good? If your kid got a 10% on his test, are you going to be a happy parent? Probably not. 10% <laughs> is not good, right? 10% is not passing. The same is true with my patient's hormone labs. I want that free T3 higher end of normal to improve fatigue. We also check uh, reverse T3 and my patients. And, you know, your audience can certainly ask their primary care providers if they'd be willing to order some of these labs. Some primary care providers are very helpful and will work with us. Sometimes they're not familiar with the test. And so, unfortunately, they, they won't order the levels. But to go back to that reverse T3, uh, free T3 is more like the gas pedal on your energy and your metabolism. Reverse T3 is more like the brake pedal. You don't want your brake pedal on, you know, full full um, throttle and not your gas. So we'd like to check those. And then lastly, I always check patients' thyroid antibodies, thyroid peroxidase antibodies and thyroglobulin antibodies. Because if elevated, one, these are a sign of gluten sensitivity, but um, two, they're showing this autoimmune process that the patient's body is literally attacking their own thyroid. So that's another, um, again, back to that discovery process, another piece of the puzzle we like to determine uh, if the patient has the, those antibodies or not. And then thirdly, <laughs> I always check patient's sex hormone levels. Do you want me to go into various ways to test hormones? Or sure. Like yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there are really three ways in my practice that I offer hormone testing. And that really determines, that is determined based on the patient. 
So if I have a young woman who's cycling, you know, in her 20s or 30s, saliva testing is wonderful. I actually have these patients spit into a tube every couple days for a month. So I can see exactly what's happening with their estrogen, progesterone, testosterone over the full month. Now, this is great if we want to assess fertility, if we want to look at if patients are having PMS or cyclical migraines, whatnot. Um, and then back to bringing this back to fatigue also, we can see obviously if their testosterone is very low. So saliva testing is great in cycling women. However, if women are postmenopausal, their levels aren't really fluctuating, they're not cycling, they've had a hysterectomy, then blood work is much easier. And that's typically what I'll choose to do. So I'll order blood work on those patients. Now, if patients have, um, this isn't necessarily pertinent to fatigue, but if the patients have, uh, have had fibroids or cysts or even breast cancer in their family, then we do urine hormone testing. And the value of urine hormone testing is that we can actually assess how the liver is clearing out estrogen. We are exposed to estrogen in the environment. Um, you know, driving to my office today, rolling down my windows because it was beautiful, nice weather here finally in Iowa. <laughs> I'm inhaling auto exhaust. I'm inhaling chemicals. I'm inhaling um, herbicides and pesticides from all the corn floating around in the air. And believe it or not, those have estrogenic properties, which can really raise estrogen. And that's not, I, I don't want to have, <laughs> you know, higher levels of estrogen that my body cannot appropriately clear out. And so urine testing is the only way to assess what we call estrogen detoxification or estrogen metabolism, which can lead to fibroids and cysts and breast cancer and whatnot. So urine hormone testing has also, at least for my practice, shown great clinical utility. So really saliva, blood, and urine are three different ways we can assess sex hormones in, in our patients. And um, usually functional medicine providers are very familiar with these avenues of testing uh, for patients. But specific to fatigue, <laughs> women need testosterone also. And so whether we're looking in the blood, saliva, or urine, if my patients have low testosterone, we certainly want to work for ways to improve that because testosterone helps with energy, helps with mood, motivation, drive, libido, those things as well. Yay, testosterone. <laughs> um, I kind of have a two-part question. So... For, well, I guess they don't really go together, but I, they're all relevant. So I've, um, in some of the reading I've done, I've kind of understood, and this is where I want you to either confirm or, or correct me, um, that a lot with functional medicine, kind of the different levels that you're looking at are, instead of where conventional medicine is looking for, this is a level of which a pro problem may happen, you're looking more at like, this is where an ideal level for overall health is. Is that correct? Does that make sense? Yes. So I may, I could use thyroid, but let's use vitamin D, for example. So conventional medicine's reference range for vitamin D is 30 to 100. So if you go to your doctor and they test your vitamin D and you're 30, they're going to say, you're in the normal range. You're fine. You're good to go, right? You're mm -hmm. not going to have any problems. Well, what happens when you hit 29? You know, it, right. then are you considered abnormal? <laughs> we know that from a functional medicine standpoint, most of chronic disease can be prevented if your level is greater than 50. So I don't yeah. want my patients 30. I don't want them just in the normal range, even though conventional medicine may be satisfied with them there. We know that 50 is better than 30. <laughs> so yeah. from a disease prevention standpoint, so that's a real simple example. But I think that I think that answered your question. Did it? Yes. What? Yeah, totally. It's like okay. looking at it from a different lens, like yeah. the sickness lens versus like the thriving lens, I feel yes. like kind of. Um, 
Okay, so my my real question is not that that wasn't a fake question, but you know what I mean. So we just talked about hormones and fatigue. I know our listeners are dying to ask you and to know about weight loss. <laughs> sure. So so many variables can contribute to inability to lose weight. So I may just summarize and echo everything I just said. So <laughs> from a weight loss standpoint, I I have um, spoken to trainers at several local gyms. Uh, for their patients who, gosh, they're eating, they think they're eating healthy, they're working out with a trainer, you know, four or five days a week, and they're just not losing weight. So I'd like to present some concepts that may be, uh, may have been neglected in those cases. So, and really, again, just walking the patient through my longevity blueprint is what I would offer those patients, but starting with gut health. So many of my patients can't lose weight because they're eating something unbeknownst to them that is triggering inflammation in the body. That can raise glucose and cortisol, right? And then the patient has insulin resistance and can't lose weight. So this could be something as simple as not eating eggs for breakfast. Now, eggs are great protein. They have choline. You know, they're full of healthy fats. But if you specifically have a sensitivity to eggs, that's just one example. Or maybe it's nuts. Something else we think is relatively healthy, right? If you have a sensitivity to that, that could be um, inhibiting you from ultimately losing weight. So doing something like food sensitivity testing, getting back to assessing gut health is really important even for weight loss. I have a lot of patients who see me for fatigue, bloating, and inability to lose weight. And oftentimes we'll find uh, yeast overgrowth as being a cause there. If that patient has taken numerous rounds of antibiotics for strep throat or acne or whatnot, UTIs, a lot of times wiping out the good bacteria by taking the antibiotics, if we don't repopulate the rainforest, if we don't give patients the good bacteria, that opportunistic yeast can overgrow and yeast really inhibits weight loss. So I, I leave that under the gut health category. But then I'll jump to chapter six, which is all about optimizing hormones. So again, kind of what I just said, looking at the thyroid comprehensively, a lot of patients have low T3, but it's never been assessed, or they have autoimmune thyroid disease, and it's never been found. Um, Echoing the testosterone strength that I just mentioned, testosterone helps with muscle mass and muscle gain and endurance and whatnot. And I have lots of women, even as young as in their 30s and even men in their 20s with low testosterone, which is pretty darn scary if you ask me. Um, but optimizing those hormones can also help facilitate weight loss. And I'm, I'm giving you these answers thinking outside the box, right? Um, after hopefully a patient has seen their conventional provider and ruled out, you know, the big, the big variables to weight loss inhibition. But from a functional medicine standpoint, those are some examples of what I would do with my patients. Oh, and just for one last thing for me, sorry, Margo, because um, <laughs> it's still about like testosterone and stuff. Um, it's pretty much like legitimately impossible because we get this all the time. Like, I don't want to lose weight because I'm going to bulk up. Can you just like, can you debunk that like real quick for us? And you know what? It cut out. Can you repeat that real quick? Oh, sorry. Um, we get a lot of, you know, oh, just people are always afraid to lift heavy weights because they're like, I'm going to bulk up. And we're always like, you don't have enough testosterone or you'd have to like supplement or spend so much time doing it. Do you do you agree with that? Can you back me up on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this may be a unique answer, but I think some people just genetically bulk up much better than others. <laughs> and I have I have some patients, I actually have some relatives even who have lower testosterone and they still they still bulk up, which just baffles me because generally speaking, you're correct. 
they would have to have, you would think you would need much higher levels of testosterone to bulk up. But I think the, the bulking up boils down to not only testosterone. I definitely think there's more of a genetic component. Like for instance, I was a gymnast and I mean, that's pretty intense physical exercise if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, all the girls um, in my class, I mean, we're all doing the exact same things and maybe 25% of them were, would really bulk up and the rest didn't. I mean, they were strong, but they weren't, you know, they didn't have uh, abnormal um, musculature <laughs> for their age. So I think testosterone is one piece of that, but I also think there's a genetic component there. Mm. Interesting. So just speaking to our audience, I mean, like just some kind of takeaways here. What do you think, uh, what's the secret to living longer and with more vibrancy? You know, what's something simple that we can all do that you think most people should be doing that they're not doing? Reducing stress. Mm-hmm. I think we live in such a fast-paced society. I mean, stress is our biggest hormone hijacker. I own a hormone clinic, so I'm very passionate about boosting hormone levels, and I can help patients do that. But if the root cause of the low hormones is that they're living a stressful life and they don't take time to deep breathe and do yoga, and they're just at the gym doing cardio 24-7 and their cortisol's jacked up, you know, and they can't sleep, well, then we have a problem, right? <laughs> they, they need to be incorporating um, more lifestyle calming activities. And this is, again, something I had to learn for myself. So thinking about how you start your day with mindfulness and deep breathing, and maybe even at lunch doing deep breathing again, that will calm the nervous system. I, I do a lot of public speaking and I get nervous and it's normal to get nervous. <laughs> um, but recently I've started deep breathing before speaking and it's made a world of a difference because it just calms your nervous system. And reducing stress ultimately is going to reduce risk of all chronic disease. So if there's one thing we all could be doing, I truly believe that reducing stress is, <laughs> that's something we have to master on a daily basis. But I think it's something we all should be striving for and really um, believing that it's equally as important as eating healthy, right? And sleeping well and whatnot. I oh, love it. So I guess for your patients who are coming in, you know, you just mentioned deep breathing. Um, are, are there any other tips you can give to just, you know, really embrace, I guess, self-care? Sure. So I think that our, unfortunately, <laughs> our food sources are not as nutrient dense as they used to be. And so I'm assuming a lot of your, your audience um, likes to exercise. They're, <laughs> they're fit, right? Yep. Um, and one thing that exercise does to us that we need, uh, but unfortunately, it also robs us of nutrients. And so does stress. Stress robs us of nutrients. And so because our food sources are not as nutrient dense, meaning, you know, an apple these days is about a third, about, it has about a third of the nutrition as an apple did three generations ago, um, because our soil is deficient. We're, and that's producing foods that are nutritionally deficient. Now our bodies are nutritionally nutritionally deficient. And so I do believe in the importance of supplementation. I think that's something else we all could be um, doing, specifically taking magnesium. Magnesium is a great for stress, <laughs> soothing, calming <laughs> mineral. If we think of, you know, some of the most important nutrients we could, you know, be consuming period, magnesium is definitely top of the list because so many of our hormone pathways and other pathways are dependent on magnesium. And if you're having coffee in the morning, coffee's depleting magnesium. Then you go to the gym, your exercise is depleting magnesium. Then, you, you know, you're stressed out after work. That's depleting your magnesium. <laughs> so 
Magnesium is just something that so many of us are low in, which I can test my patients for to confirm, you know, that that suspicion is right. But that's something that I think everybody needs to be taking. Uh, mm. And that's something that's easy. Just take a magnesium capsule supplement. Um, I Do you like have to... a form or a dosage that you, yeah. that you recommend or like? Yeah. So I actually, um, I have blogs on my website, yourlongevityblueprint.com. And if you want to learn more about magnesium, there's a, ma- a blog just on magnesium. The type that I typically recommend is an amino acid chelated version. So like mag glycinate. And all that means is that the magnesium itself is piggybacked or chelated or bound to, however you want to put that, um, to an amino acid. And that will help the magnesium get absorbed. But that's not just important for magnesium. That form of the mineral is important even for things like iron. Because when you take iron, you don't want to get constipated, right? You want it to be highly in a highly absorbed form. And so that's the form that I give all my patients. Typically, of the minerals is the amino acid chelated form. As far as dosage is concerned, <laughs> I usually have patients start with one capsule <laughs> and work their way up. Um, too much of certain forms of magnesium can cause diarrhea, like too much mag citrate or mag oxide. Typically, that doesn't happen with glycinate. So I'll have patients keep working up um, if they do get diarrhea or if they get lightheaded or dizzy because magnesium can lower blood pressure, then I'll have them stop. But really case by case basis is typically high dose patients based on what I you know assume or have tested their need to be. You have a special code for our audience, correct? Yes. Yep. So speaking of that website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, you can get 10% off the book, Your Longevity Blueprint, or if you want to buy some magnesium glycinate or mm-hmm. any other supplement, um, there's a 10% off code. If you use thanks fit bottom, you will get 10% off. And can you tell us where we can find you on social media? Sure. So uh, my practice in Hiawatha, Iowa is called the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic. And our website is ihhclinic.com. So on Facebook, our, we're on Facebook as Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic. And then also my book and our supplements are under Your Longevity Blueprint. So like on Instagram, um, Longevity Blueprint is where you can find us. And I did recently start a page, Dr. Stephanie Gray, Your Longevity Blueprint, also on Facebook, where I'm posting all my weekly video blogs and whatnot. So we have lots of places to reach you. Yes. So Jen, do you want to ask the last question? Sure. I've asked so many questions today, though. I feel like maybe we should do it, Margo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Dr. Gray... This is the question we ask everybody, the last question we ask everyone who appears on our show. Are you ready? Sure. What was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Last song I listened to? Gosh, I don't know. I listened to a podcast. (laughs) It wasn't a song. We'll take a podcast. I'm a huge fan of, well, several podcasts, but the Brian Buffini Show uh, he is from Ireland. He has the biggest business coaching um, company in the nation. He's in San Diego, California, and I just love the podcast. They're just so inspiring, and his podcasts usually launch on Tuesday mornings, so usually t- Tuesday or Wednesday, that's the first thing I'm listening to is <laughs> his show. <laughs> that's great. That's a great answer. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show today. Thank you for having me. I hope you all learned something. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. 
And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.